Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good night, wherever and whenever in the realms of time and space my voice finds you. Welcome. My name is Aaron James. You're listening to Kids Myth Plus, episode 21. Each week at Kids Myth Plus, we bring you stories from the deep and wide worlds of mythology, folklore, legend, secret fairy tales, and more. This week's story is a Grimm's fairy tale. You may have heard of Grimm's book of fairy tales. The first edition was published in 1812. It contained 86 stories. By the seventh edition, the seventh version, it had grown to 210 fairy tales. Some of the original stories include Hansel and Gretel, Little Red Riding Hood, Cinderella, lots of tales that you've heard of. The Grimm's collection of tales, or as it was originally called, the Book of Children's and Household Tales, inspired other authors to create similar collections. Alexander Afanasyev, for example, who collected and published nearly 600 Russian tales, many of which we've shared here. Today we'll hear a tale from the original Grimm's collection called The Raven. A baby that could not be quieted is transformed and a passerby is given the chance to rescue her. Of course, it won't be easy. Let's hear what happens. The Raven There was once a queen who had a little daughter, still too young to run alone. One day the child was very troublesome, and the mother could not quiet it, do what she would. She grew impatient, and seeing the ravens flying around the castle, she opened the window and said, I wish you were a raven and would fly away, then I should have a little peace. Scarcely were the words out of her mouth when the child in her arms was turned into a raven and flew away from her through an open window. The bird took its flight to a dark wood and remained there for a long time, and meanwhile the parents could hear nothing of their child. Long after this, a man was making his way through the wood when he heard a raven calling, and he followed the sound of the voice. As he drew near, the raven said, I am by birth a king's daughter, but am now under the spell of some enchantment. You can, however, set me free. What am I to do? He asked. She replied, Go farther into the wood until you come to a house, wherein lives an old woman. She will offer you food and drink, but you must not take either. If you do, you will fall into a deep sleep and won't be able to help me. In the garden behind the house is a large tan heap, and on that you must stand and watch for me. I shall drive there in my carriage at two o'clock in the afternoon for three successive days. The first day it will be drawn by four white, the second by four chestnut, and the last by four black horses. But if you fail to keep awake, and I find you sleeping, I shall not be set free. The man promised to do all that she wished, but the raven said, Alas, 
I know even now that you will take something from the woman and be unable to save me. The man assured her again and again he would on no account touch a thing to eat or drink. When he came to the house and went inside, the old woman met him and said, Poor man, how tired you are. Come in and rest and let me give you something to eat and drink. No, answered the man, I will neither eat nor drink. But she wouldn't leave him alone and urged him on, saying, If you will not eat anything, at least you might take a drink of wine. One drink counts for nothing. And at last he allowed himself to be persuaded and drank. As it drew toward the appointed hour, he went outside into the garden and mounted the tan heap to await the raven. Suddenly a feeling of fatigue came over him, and unable to resist it, he lay down for just a little while, fully determined, however, to keep awake. But in another minute his eyes closed of their own accord, and he fell into a deep sleep. Such a deep sleep that all the noises in the world would not have wakened him. At two o'clock, the raven came driving along, drawn by her four white horses. But even when she reached the spot, she said to herself, sighing, I know he has fallen asleep. When she entered the garden, there she found him, as she had feared, lying on the tan heap fast asleep. She got out of her carriage and went to him. She called him and shook him, but it was all in vain. He still continued sleeping. The next day at noon, the old woman came to him again with food and drink, which he at first refused. At last, overcome by the persistence of the old woman, he lifted the glass and drank again. Towards two o'clock, he went out into the garden and on to the tan heap to watch for the raven. He had not been there long before he began to feel so tired that his limbs seemed hardly able to support him, and he could not stand upright any longer. So again he lay down and fell fast asleep. As the raven drove along her four chestnut horses, she said sorrowfully to herself, I know he has fallen asleep. She went as before to look for him, but he slept and it was impossible to wake him. The following day, the old woman said to him, What is this? You're not eating or drinking a thing? Do you want to kill yourself? He answered, I may not and will not either eat or drink. But she put down the dish of food and the glass of wine in front of him, and when he smelled the wine, he was unable to resist the temptation and took a deep, deep drink. When the hour came round again, he went out, as usual, on to the tan heap in the garden to await the king's daughter. But this day he felt even more overcome with weariness, and throwing himself down, he slept like a log. At two o'clock, the raven could be seen approaching, and this time her coachman and everything about her, as well as her horses, were black. She was sadder than ever as she drove along and said mournfully, I know he has fallen asleep, and I know he will not be able to set me free. She found him sleeping heavily, and all her efforts to wake him were of no avail. Then she placed beside him a loaf and some meat and a flask of wine, 
of such a kind that however much he took of them, they would never grow less. After that, she drew a gold ring on which her name was engraved off her finger and put it upon one of his. Finally, she laid a letter next to him, in which after giving him particulars of the food and drink she had left for him, she finished with the following words. I see that as long as you remain here, you will never be able to set me free. If, however, you still wish to do so, come to the golden castle of Stromberg. This is well within your power to accomplish. She then returned to her carriage and drove to the golden castle of Stromberg. When the man awoke and found that he had been sleeping, he was grieved at heart and said, She has no doubt been here and driven away again, and it is now too late for me to save her. Then his eyes fell on the things which were lying beside him. He read the letter and knew from it all that had happened. He rose up without delay, eager to start on his way and reach the castle of Stromberg. But he had no idea which direction he ought to go. He traveled about a long time in search of it and came at last to a dark forest, through which he went on walking for fourteen days and still could not find a way out. Once more the night came on, and worn out he lay down under a bush and fell asleep. Again the next day he pursued his way through the forest, and that evening, thinking to rest again, he lay down as before, but he heard such a howling and wailing that he found it impossible to sleep. He waited till it was darker and the people had begun to light up their houses, and then, seeing a little glimmer ahead of him, he went towards it. He found that the light came from a house which looked smaller than it really was, from the contrast of its height with that of an immense giant who stood in front of it. He thought to himself, if the giant sees me going in, my life will not be worth much. However, after a while, he summoned up the courage and went forward. When the giant saw him, he called out, it's lucky for you that you have come for I have not had anything to eat in a long time. I can have you now for my dinner. Uh, I would rather you let me alone, said the man, for I do not willingly give myself up to be eaten. If you are wanting food, food I have enough of to satisfy your every hunger. If that is so, replied the giant, I will leave you in peace. I only thought of eating you because I had nothing else. So they went indoors together and sat down, and the man brought out the bread, meat, and wine, which, although he had eaten and drunk of them, were still unconsumed. The giant was pleased with the good cheer and ate and drank to his heart's content. When he had finished his supper, the man asked him if he could direct him to the castle of Stromberg. The giant said, I will look at my map. On it are marked all the towns, villages, and houses. So he fetched his map and looked for the castle, but could not find it. Never mind, he said. I have a larger map upstairs in the cupboard. We'll look on those. But they searched in vain, for the castle was not marked even on these. The man now thought he should like to continue his journey, but the giant begged him to remain for a day or two longer until the return of his brother, who was away in search of provisions. When the brother came home, they asked him about the castle of Stromberg, 
and he told them he would look on his own maps as soon as he had eaten and appeased his hunger. Accordingly, when he had finished his supper, they all went up together to his room and looked through his maps, but the castle was not to be found. Then he fetched other, older maps, and they went on looking for the castle until at last they found it, but it was many thousands of miles away. How shall I be able to get there? asked the man. I have two hours to spare, said the giant. Now I will carry you into the neighborhood of the castle. I must then return to look after the child who is in our care. The giant thereupon carried the man to within about a hundred leagues of the castle, where he left him, saying, You will be able to walk the remainder from here. The man journeyed on day and night until he reached the golden castle of Stromberg. He found it situated, however, on a glass mountain, and looking up from the foot he saw the enchanted maiden drive around her castle and then go inside. He was overjoyed to see her and longed to get to the top of the mountain, but the sides were so slippery that every time he attempted to climb he fell back again. When he saw that it was impossible to reach her, he was greatly grieved and said to himself, I will remain here and wait, wait for her. So he built himself a little hut, and there he sat and watched for a whole year. And every day he saw the king's daughter driving round her castle, but was unable to get nearer to her. Looking out from his hut one day, he saw three robbers fighting, and he called out to them, You there! They stopped when they heard the call, but looking round and seeing nobody, they went on again with their fighting, which now became more furious. You there! He cried again, and once again they paused and looked about but seeing no one, went back to their fighting. A third time he called out, You there! And then, thinking he should like to know the cause of the dispute between the three men, he went out and asked them, Why would they fight so angrily with one another? One of them said that he had found a stick, and that he had but to strike it against any door through which he wished to pass, and immediately it would fly open. Another told him that he had found a cloak, which rendered its wearer invisible, and the third had caught a horse, which would carry its rider over any obstacle, and even up the glass mountain. They had been unable to decide whether they would keep together and have the things in common, sharing them, or whether they would separate. On hearing this, the man said, I will give you something in exchange for those three things. First, however, Prove to me whether all you have told me about your three things is true. The robbers, therefore, made him get on the horse and handed him the stick and the cloak, and when he had put this around him, he was no longer visible. Then he fell upon them with the stick and beat them one after another, crying, There, you idle vagabonds! You've got what you deserve. Are you satisfied now? After this, he rode up the glass mountain. When he reached the gate of the castle, he found it closed, but he gave it a blow with the stick, and it flew wide open. He mounted the steps and entered the room where the maiden was sitting with a golden goblet full of wine in front of her. She could not see him, for he still wore the cloak. He took the ring which she had given him off of his finger and threw it into the goblet so that it rang as it touched the bottom. 
That is my own ring, she exclaimed. And if that is so, the one must also be here who is coming to set me free. She looked for him all around the castle but could find him nowhere. Meanwhile, he had gone outside again and mounted his horse and thrown off the cloak. When, therefore, she came back to the castle gate, she saw him and cried aloud for joy. Then he dismounted and took her in his arms, and she kissed him and said, Now you have indeed set me free, and tomorrow we will celebrate our marriage. And they lived happily ever after. Ah. Okay, no, that's not in this story, but it seems to be missing, doesn't it? This, like many of the tales from this time period, seemed to link a couple getting married to living happily ever after. And maybe there is something to that, but we know that to live happily ever after, you do not have to kiss you and be married and have a grand wedding. Okay, but what about those robbers? They were tricked out of their magic objects, pretty easily even. What do you think of that? Was that fair of the man to take them? They were fighting amongst themselves. They probably stole the magic stick and cloak and horse from someone else anyway. Hmm, I don't know. Many times in these myths and stories, we see the idea of good overcoming evil being reinforced. Like in Disney or Star Wars, the good always triumphs over the evil. Always a happy ending. But at what cost? Is it okay to do something that could be on the evil side of things in order for good to win in the end? Like steal from thieves? Something to think about. You stole the thing that I stole! And the baby that would not stop crying. The mother wishes it to become a raven just so she could get a little peace and quiet. Be careful what you wish for. The princess knew the man would never be able to resist the food and drink from the old woman. But she let him try anyway. She gave him his instructions and eventually gave him the tools he needed to finish his quest. Because I guess sometimes we just have to go through all the challenges, all the challenges, even if we know we won't be able to overcome some of them. So an interesting story that raises some perplexing questions, some moral conundrums, and has the symbol of the raven, one of my favorite birds. Until next time, thank you as always for listening. And please do reach out on Instagram or through Apple Podcasts or an email. Let us know what you think of these stories. Have some suggestions? Get in touch. Share your thoughts with us. This has been episode 21 of Kids Myth Plus. Thanks for listening. And remember, keep asking questions and looking for the magic. It's all around us.